Anything's possible, though, because, you know, Bitcoin is money, so, you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Cointelegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Yo, yo. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 80. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. Host number three, Corey. Damn, 80 episodes. 80. Damn. That's 20 away from 100. For those of you that can't do math. Yeah. You just did that in your head. I know you did. I did that. I actually wrote wrote it out. So 80 minus... 100 nope. equals <laughs> negative 20. Nope. That's what I did over here. Anyway. <laughs> Let's pay these bills, and then we're going to get into part oh. two of Mackie. Absolute value of 80 minus 100. Or you can work out that, that problem. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Do the we ads. Are, we are no. brought to you by escrowmybits.com. Dot com. Every week. Dot com. It's fast, it's super easy, and it only takes three steps. All you got to do is register and deposit your Bitcoin. That's step number one. Seller ships the item. That's step number two. Buyer checks the goods and releases the funds. Step number three. That's all the steps. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So I'm talking euros and yen and yuan and USD. Um, They're going to charge you a small flat escrow fee of just 1% on all the transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. Uh, So, you know, Escrow My Bits was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. And my co-host and I, we want there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use them. So to start the escrow process, go to their website, make sure you sign up for their newsletter and stay up to date. You punk ass bitch. Escrow your shit. Escrow my bits. <laughs> Why so much animosity? Why you gotta call them punk ass bitches? Just want people to use this service and stop using other. Can we start calling people PABs? Is like an acronym for <laughs> punk ass bitch. You ain't nothing but a PAB. You're a PAB. Stop PABbing. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make that a thing. Hey. We should get escrow my bits to hire DMX. Yeah. So like, escrow your shit. Well, escrow my bits. <sighs> like you know, like it needs to be more abrasive. Like well, that's why I call people punk ass bitches. You punk ass bitch, escrow my bits. Use that shit. Uh, like I feel like they need DMX. I don't know. It just feels right. There you go. Um, we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin, which is the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs. Uh, you ever thinking, um, I don't really trust ATMs. Well, they're the most trusted name. So they're located <laughs> in Dallas, Fort Worth, 
Houston, and seven other U.S. cities right now, and they're always growing. Uh, so download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play uh, for specific specific locations. Visit AthenaBitcoin.com. And we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, BitQuick.co. That's BitQuick.co. It is quick. It is secure. It is easy. It is a peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace. You can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. That's two Seth Rogen movies back-to-back. Bitcoin or BitQuick, they've been serving Bitcoiners for three years now. So where there's a bank, there's BitQuick. Boom. Those are the ads. You pab. Those are done. Pab. Pab. You ain't nothing but a but a pal. Just keep saying the word, I think it becomes a thing. That's how that works, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Pab. Anyways. Anyway. Uh, yeah, we got some yeah, show to do. Let's, let's jump to part two of the Stephen Mackey trials and tribulations. Yeah. Uh, I like, let's keep it a little more serious for the first part of the show. And then after that, we'll jump to Max Kordak from Lisk and hear about all about why uh, he believes List is going to change the world and why you can tap into blockchain using JavaScript. Mm, everybody loves JavaScript. Everybody loves a little JS. That, that is true. And this bitch. When you hear JavaScript, you're like, does it make you feel warm inside? No, it makes me think of web applications. That doesn't make you feel warm inside? Not really. What does make one Corey Petty feel warm inside? Beer. Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. Beer and jiu-jitsu. Winning. Yeah, winning every bet against me. (laughs) Winning all the bets against Marcello, yeah. (laughs) I've yet to win. (laughs) Uh, Bad movies do the opposite of make me warm. Like that new Ghostbusters movie. God damn. Why do they do that? So bad. Anyways, part two of uh, Mackie's story. Here it is. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, your Aunt Sharon is going to help me, and we're going to get away from your dad, and we're going to get away from all this, and yada, yada. And I was like, what the fuck are you? Oh, what do you mean? Like, uh, I, I, <laughs> I just I just said bye to all my homies at school earlier today. Like, I don't have any, like, I, we didn't have, our phone wasn't on at the time. Like, it was a very bad time financially. More so, so I didn't really, I didn't have anyone to call anyone and say, hey, man, I'm about to be moving it was just like gone so everything that i did i left all my books that i loved as a childhood like all my uh every like everything that mattered to me all my video game like i was ocd i collected all these things right so this is like it's it's you might not understand this but i literally left my entire childhood there and the only thing i brought was like clothes because we were basically moving the three of us me my mom and my sister into this one tiny little bedroom into virginia so we packed up everything into this these black bags and um, uh, like started just drove. Never said bye to my dad. Never said bye to my friends. Never said bye to my family that I had grown up with my whole life. Like it's a very small town, and they just left overnight, peace like a ghost. Hmm. And um, that was tough um, because I felt like I was at a point where I was just about starting to fit in. Right, it was like eighth grade and. Uh, I was sort of coming into my personality a little bit more and I started to calm down and the internet had sort of like normalized me a little bit and then like socialized me and like I learned how to talk to people more and like online communities are like really shaped like who I am. 
And if it wasn't for them, I don't know where I would have been through all the abuse and just neglect and all of that. And so I, we packed up, left, went to Virginia. My mom went to like AA and all that stuff. She got a job as nurse doing nursing, like kind of like LPN stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so she went through like a summer class course to like do all that stuff. Like she was like, she wanted to be reformed. She wanted to yada, yada, yada. Well, fast forward like three months, uh, she relapsed all into the alcoholism and the drinking and the marijuana smoking and the cigarettes and the goddamn, uh, I was awful. And so like, you know, I basically called my dad, like dad's like, no, like mom's not right. Like, it's not fair. Like I left all this. It's alien. I went from an area that was like 93% white to an area that was 94% black. And so I grew up wearing like cargo shorts and Aeropostale polos and that's how I fit in. And then I go to Virginia and now I'm just whack as shit. Like now people are just like, oh, like, uh, what are you doing wearing New Balances? Why are you wearing polos? Like your skin is brown. Why aren't you acting black? And I was like, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm glad you glad you relate to me too. And, you know, they're just like, and I'm just like, I don't know how am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to? So I got, I learned, I learned to like, if I don't joke back, if I don't defend myself, then I, I would just I would fall victim to the same sort of like ordeal that I had back in the South. So I learned to talk shit. I learned to, I learned to give, give, give back what is given to me. I learned to, I guess, like fit in to socialize more. I guess at this point is where I came to realize that like I had to accept the fact that I was not one race, like I'm not one person that like and I am not necessarily special, but I had to realize that I am I am an equal balance of whatever it is I wanted to be and whatever sort of things that people were trying to, you know, push upon me as far as like my personality or how I was supposed to be was incorrect. And it was wrong and then ultimately that I am who I am. And you know, the high high school is very very difficult. You know, a single mom with just my sister. We were in this small, small, tiny little boxy, like, two-bedroom house. My mom and my sister shared shared a bedroom together. And because, obviously, because I was a teenage boy, I got a room by myself. Um, And so, you know, I would just sit in there alone with my video games. Not really much changed. Um, and so we walked to school, to the high, to the local high school. So, like, I didn't have to worry about riding buses and stuff anymore. I didn't have to worry about being absolutely embarrassed that I'm parents car breaking down and like the carpool lane as you're pulling out of the elementary school oh such bad flashback but um yeah so it it was it was it was weird because like you know being like a single mom and stuff like you know and struggling with her alcoholism and stuff like i and growing up with my sister i immediately got much larger once puberty hit so like i wasn't necessarily like the man of the house because i damn sure did not feel like a man and because I was like 12 or 13, 14 at the time. And, you know, I had only just started to grow a baby mustache, right? I wasn't ready for all that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, so it was a matter of like, how do I protect my mom? How do I protect my sister? And my mom always brought around very strange, interesting characters to the house. Very strange, interesting characters. Because um, my mom liked to party. So she brought around a lot of other people that liked to party. They, they liked to do drugs. They, they liked to be alcoholics. Like these like really strange, like, I don't know. It was weird. But that came a little bit later when after my mom was doing LPN stuff and she found into a really, really bad bout of depression because she was doing um, 
private home care and the gentleman, Mr. Han, who she was caring for for about four years, privately passed away. And, you know, of natural causes, he died of old. And um, he, old age, excuse me. And uh, he, and that really, that really put a hurt on my mom. So that was about ninth or 10th grade. And it, it, things just started getting really bad. She lost her job. And um, so like, I was like 14, 15, 16 at the time. And like, it, it would be like days where my mom would they come back from a bar or wherever she was partying, like drunk, drunk driving, pull up in the driveway of the house in the middle of the afternoon and like a hot summer in the middle of Virginia. And like, just like half slower, her words can't, can't walk, can't even have function, have no effing idea how she got home in a car. And she's like sprawled out in the dirt in her nurse's scrubs on the ground in tears. And she's like, I got just like speaking, not, not devil tongues, but she's just, you don't understand what the hell she's talking about. She just, she would just start blabbing about things. And I would just like, and like neighborhood people would like come out and like look all around like concerned and like walk over to like, is this woman okay? Is this, I'm like, no, it's fine. This is just my mom. Like everyone leave me alone. Like I'll take care of her. She's okay. So imagine like this like 14 year old, 15 year old me, like picking up this grown drunk woman, like off the ground. Um, uh, and like dragging her into the house <laughs> and like sitting her down and telling her, all right, mom, like you can't do that. People, people don't understand you. You can't, you can't just go and cause a scene like that. You just come inside. Don't, don't cause a problem. And she, it was always her getting drunk and arguing with my mom and my sister. It's just because my sister loved my mom so much. She was just like, "Mom, like you gotta stop drinking. You gotta stop. Yada yada. Like you're ruining your life. Like this isn't just." that happened a lot and there was a, there was a lot of instances where I, like I had to protect my mom and I actually remember one time where I was with my friend Darius and uh my mom had, like come home and she was in her car and she was like crying and she had stepped in the door and she asked me to like take her up the store real quick to like get her some cigarettes so I was like yeah sure and like so I dropped like 16 at a time I had my driver's license 16 17 and uh, I was just driving, and my mom was just like, started crying in the car. I was just going up the street. And me and my friend Darius, like, we look at each other concerned. He's sitting in the passenger seat. My mom's in the back seat. And uh, my mom just starts crying, and I'm like, what happened? Like, why are you crying? What's wrong? She's like, nothing, nothing, right? She was, like, drunk, so I just figured maybe she, she was bipolar, too. She always cried randomly. Um, there was a lot of instances where I would overhear her, like, calling and, like, like, the suicide help hotline and stuff, and, like, having like the person like calm her down on the other end and like me like sitting there all night like with my ear at the bottom of the door to make sure she doesn't do anything bad like sleeping outside the door but this is good man but, Take I... Your time. but I remember her just like she was like such I can't remember the guy's name I want to say his name was Carl or Frank or some really basic ass name and uh, he was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm basic I'm, motherfucker. I'm Come Frank, <laughs> Joe. I'm trying to interject some humor to my sadness. Um, but uh, but yeah. So she was like, such and such. She was like, he hit me. And I was like, he did what? And she was like, he hit me. And I was like, where is he? 
she was like, Steven, don't worry about it. And my friend Darius was like, where is he? And I was like, let's go. So we drove up back up to the street where she was, two street streets up. Uh, go outside. There's this like really tall, like six foot two white dude with like long platinum white rocker hair sitting on a stool outside of a house blasting rock music at like 1030 at night. Obviously drunk, swaying back and forth on a stool. And um, he's like just like sitting there and... Uh, I walk up to him and I'm like, Hey man, did you hit my mom? And he just like, like looking at me like glassy eyed, like he, like, he's like, like bamboozled. It's like, who's this person in front of him? And why is he asking such a question? So I asked him, I was like, you know, did you hit my mom? And he was like, uh, yeah. He was like, your mom got into an argument with me and she started saying all this stuff. And I was like, so did you hit my mom? And he was like, yeah. So, like, I grabbed him by the shirt, threw him on the ground, and he was down on the dirt. And then my friend Darius, like, held him down, too. And I said, did you hit my mom? And he said, yes. I told him to get on his knees. And then he got on his knees, and my friend Darius stood behind him. Granted, I'm 17, 18 years old. This is a grown-ass man. Must be 45, 50 years old. 45 years old. Tell him to get on his knees. I go to the car. I tell my mom to get out of the car, to walk over, and I start screaming at the man. I tell him to apologize. He's, like, looking at me like, what? I'm like, apologize, motherfucker. Like, I'm serious. Apologize now. Yeah. Sounds like a prank. Yep. Some prank-ass shit. And, like, (laughs) and I'm like, apologize, man. And so, like, he, like, apologizes. Like, he gets, like, he's, like, "Eh," to my mom. And he's, like, but he's not being genuine. So I'm getting pretty upset that someone is hitting my mom and I had my mom coming home crying and this is a grown ass man and I'm tired of all this fucking shit that's been going on in my life. And I'm like, look, I'm a grown ass man now. I'm handling my shit. So in the corner of my eye, I see this giant fucking log, this huge ass stick in front of this guy's house. And I'll go over and grab it. And I pull, I pull back this giant log in the back of my hand like a baseball bat. And I tell him, uh, apologize again. But he doesn't. And so I wind up this giant log stick thing and I just go to like swing at his head. Like I had I had I had every reason to harm that man. And uh but my friend Darius was smart enough to like push him down, knock him on the ground before I swung and hit him. And uh at that point he apologized. He was in the dirt and I was satisfied. Uh I threw down the stick and got up and we left and we went back home. And that's just, that's just like one example of uh, multiple times I've had to defend my mom. And since then, you know, my mom has become homeless. Um, at present moment in time, she may or may still be very long story. Um, but, uh, there's been many instances where she was at one point, she was in this homeless camp and there was this gentleman who, and there's clip, clips of it online. If you ever Google Hampton, Virginia, Darlene Mackey, feel free. I won't give you a link. Um, but you, you see there was a gentleman, by, and he tried to basically, he got upset at all these people in the homeless camp, and more so particularly my mom, and he, like, painted the homeless camp with a ring of gasoline and set his supplier place on fire trying to murder everyone. And, like, my mom was able to make it out, but everyone else's, like, stuff, like, you know, went up in flames and, like, 
that's the same gentleman I had to like threaten for like hitting my mom again on like a different occasion or whatever and tell him like baby basically like peace out and he ended up getting locked up but then he got out and started nutting up and some of my mom's homeless friends or whatever, like I remember like going to visit her uh, to like bring her money and to help her and stuff. And this was while I was in college, putting myself through constant debt, by the way. Um, and how I did that, I'm not too proud to talk about. But um, I, didn't, I didn't have extra money, but what I did have, I went to go take care of my mom. And uh, so there were these occasions where I'd have to go and clean stuff up and basically like stand behind my mom and my mom be like, this is my son. Like, you see, this is my son. Like, you fuck with me, then you fuck with my son. Um, and so, you know, like, I remember just, like, having to, like, bring her money and stuff and just, like, having to, like, shake this dude down um, because he had been, like, abusing my mom. And then my mom telling me a story about, like, two of their friends who were walking down the street from the homeless camp and these hood little gangster wannabe kids that wanted to prove they were in a gang, like, took my mom's two old friends, one who was battling at the time cancer, and he had gotten homeless from, like, his financial troubles. Like, these weren't people that were just, like, people who were just, like, bad homeless people. Like, not, like, not in, like, Silicon Valley, like, San Francisco Bay Area. Like, the not so crazies, like, piss themselves. And, like, not those. These are people that are just down on their luck, right? And this particular gentleman had had financial troubles because he, like, was battling cancer. And they took this fucking dude and, like, my mom's friend and these little gangster wannabe kids and just like smash this dude's head open like with like like giant boulders in the back of this like convenience store and like and i remember my mom just like crying about that and because she you know because she came from a nursing background and she was homeless but one of the things that she would do to like make money is she would take care of these people and like my mom was always a caring woman she always took care of people for even if she like didn't have a dime to her name, she would always find a way to help people. And even though she was always battling her own personal demons, she always cared about others. And so, you know, I think I think that really came came through to me is like, you know, I just kind of I want to help people, and I want people to be able to like help themselves because I've seen the struggles that people have to like go through when they don't come from anything. And like, if I can give it someone a community, a avenue, a place to express themselves, to put themselves out there, like that's a big deal for me. And because I didn't have that opportunity, I had to do a lot of things that I'm not proud of to get to this point that I'm at. And uh, it's not fun, right? It's not fun to live with those things on your conscience. Um, hmm. So how but, did you? So, so coming from a background like that, what transitioned you into like in school and and, and oh yeah, like how did you how did you make that leap? Because a lot of people can't, and a lot of people don't. Well, um, I just left. I left a high school where the kids would ask me if I was really black, and I was <laughs> a fucking teacher. So, <laughs> so oh, I'm just curious. Oh. So, yeah, so what happened was, I guess, when I graduated from high school, I, uh, I uh, well, pr- right prior to graduating high school, I went to a, uh, went to a guidance counselor, like, the, maybe, like, that semester, the start of the fall semester of senior high school, and I had no plans for college, none. I never thought about it, ever, throughout my whole co- career, I never thought about it. My mom always boistered about it, 
but I never thought about how it would happen, right? I don't have any money, right? I don't know how that shit works. I didn't know how college entry works. I didn't have any mentors. I, I literally just went to school. I, in my entire sophomore year, I pretty much slept through because, like, I barely was eating at home. And, like, my only meal was, like, the free subsidized lunch I got through school at lunchtime. So, mm. my whole high school career was just make it. And I made it the best that I could. And I actually did really, really, really well. And in comparison to anyone else that might be in that particular circumstance. And um, so they were like, well, you know, Stephen, you've got great grades. Like you were like, you've got these nice, perfect scores and all these like uh, Virginia has these things called SOLs, like standards of learning. Mm-hmm. And like these tests and I had like um, gotten perfect scores and stuff on these tests and all this junk. And they're like, you know, you, have you considered going to college? And I was like, no. And I was like, um, I don't really even know the process. Like someone said something about SAT, ACT stuff. And I was like. But I looked that up and it costs money and my mom doesn't really have any money right now. So and they're like, well, we got these waivers and they're like, we can you can take these tests, but we can only give you one for each. So and I was like, but they were like in the deadline for you to apply to colleges and stuff is like coming up. So like you have to take the SAT or the ACT with like the next two weeks. And I was like, fuck. OK, <laughs> give me give me these waiver things. So they gave me these waivers for the SAT and ACT. And I took the SAT. I took the ACT. I think I got like a 32 on the ACT. 30 Damn. something. I don't know. I can't that's, remember. That's uh, I don't remember my SAT score. I don't remember. I was so sleepy that morning. When I went in, I don't, I don't remember. I remember the writing portion. I'm thinking I might have skipped. I got a lot of stuff. It wasn't really important to me. But, uh, but yeah. And so then I was like, all right, guys, I got these test scores back. And they're like, oh, these are great. Um, So now you got to start applying to colleges. And I was like, cool. So I was like, I'll go home and do that. So I go home, you know, and go to fill out these applications and I get to the end and they're like, they asked for a credit card. And I was like, why do you need a credit card? I was like, I'm just trying to apply to go to school. And they're like, oh, you have to, you have to pay a fee when you submit these fees to go to college. And I was like, to apply. And I was like, I got to pay to tell me, people told me, tell me yes or no. And they're like, yeah, this is how it works. And I was like, well, why don't I have any money? And they're like, well, since you're really poor, Stephen, we can give you these three waivers. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Thanks, y'all. So I picked three schools. Uh, can't remember all of them. Like Christopher Newport University, Old Dominion University. It's like one other school. Maybe it was like Virginia Tech, UVA, something. I don't remember. I don't care. I didn't write any of the essays for any of the stuff except for one school. Like I was just sort of like, I was just sort of done with it. At that point, I had accepted maybe I should just go to community college for two years and not incur, incur any debt because I started reading about like the FAFSA process and taxes and how that works and how you get qualified for that. And I was like, maybe I should do like the whole two year community college thing, switch to university. And then, but I got accepted in these schools. Like I got the letters and packets in the mail. And my mom was like, this is great. She was like, go to one of these schools. And I was like, mom, I was like, this is just expensive. Like I looked it up. Like this is a lot of money. Like I don't have money like that. You don't have money like that. Like in 20 years, we don't have money like that and uh she's like well you just gotta go online and like they'll give you money and i was she was i read it in the newspaper thing like you just gotta go online and you fill out the thing and you do that and because i'm poor they'll give you money and i was like bullshit and but i went online and they were like yo we need tax information and i was like mom i can do this i can fill it out but like there's this part about like your taxes and stuff um i don't know this stuff i don't know how it works 
And she was like, uh, I'm not filing taxes this year. And I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I can't go to school unless you get taxes. She was like, well, then do them for me. And I'm like, fucking, I'm like 17. I don't know how to do taxes. <laughs> so I learned to do my mom's taxes. <laughs> and uh, so I learned in and out of all that. I learned, like, what what exactly needed to be attributed in order to come off as really, really, really poor. And, uh, which was easy, because we were. And uh, so I did that, and they were like, "We got you with all these loans. You get, you get this. You get the maximum amount of grants. Congratulations!" Um, but you can also get these subsidized and these upsubsidized loans, and, and these are the interest rates. And yada 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 yada. And at the time, I was just like, "Oh, so I get all these checks if I sign this piece of paper? Tight, fine." <laughs> um, <and laughs> Dimitrik knows where this is going. I know. I know the struggle. <laughs> And so I was like, tight. So like, and you know, my mom was like, you just, just take the stuff and just go to school and never worry about it. Put some of these loans in my name. My mom is, by the way, she's an ex felon. She can't have, she can't have credit. She doesn't have credit, or some fancy rule like that. I don't know. She's not allowed to have bank accounts and all this other sort of bullshit. And um, so, uh, I was like, well, I guess I can like live on campus and stuff, but that's extra money. And my mom was like, well, just take out all these loans in my name. And we'll never pay him back. And I was like, mm. but that's going to ruin your credit. And she was like, I know. But she was like, I'd much rather you go to school and to do something with yourself. Because your sister's damn sure not. But that's a different story. And uh, and your brother's not. I have a half-brother. Also a very long story. Um, and he's not. And so she was like, I want you to go to school. I want you to make something yourself. Like, this is something you want to do. So just do it. So I did. And, you know, when I started school, uh, I was majoring in computer science. Um, and journalism, that was my plan. And I got to school and it was my first semester. <laughs> and I remember like working on some, I had, I've had a lot of odd jobs, by the way. Like my first job was like, I worked at Farm Fresh. And then for a little while in sophomore year of school, I was a DJ. And then, and then I worked at, uh, I, then I was a landscaper for a little bit. Um, I was an IT consultant for a little bit. Um, at one point, I was a, a waiter at a California pizza kitchen. Uh, at one point, I worked at a Best Buy. Um, and at the time, I was like a part-time like lead at uh, Urban Outfitters. Um, and then another, I've just I've been everything on the sun. You do whatever the hell it is you got to make it. But I tell you, one of these things: nine to five jobs, minimum wage, don't pay your bills, they don't pay student loan debts, and they definitely don't pay rent when those loans don't cover what you need. So you do what you got to do. And I won't tell you what I did, what I had to do, but I did what I had to do, and I did it. And. Um, uh, and I got through it. I, I couldn't afford I couldn't afford anything. Yeah, I, the only way I could afford to eat was through the meals that the school gave me. When those ran out, it was pretty much just finessing me trying to get meals off of other people. Mm-hmm. When it was when it came to textbooks, the first semester I bought three textbooks and I was like, oh my god, that was like seven hundred dollars. That was all the money I saved up landscaping for like three fucking months. I was like, Are you kidding me? It was the middle of school year. I don't have any way to make money right now. So I was like, well, let's just next semester. I'm just not going to get any books and to see if I can make it. And I did. I didn't get any textbooks that next semester or any other semesters following that for the next four years. I didn't buy a single textbook. I couldn't. I couldn't afford it. So everything I learned, I had to learn on my own. I had to use my resources, which were the Internet. I had to use, uh, you know, friends and other things of that nature. Basically, like, socially engineer my way to be able to have all the information that I need to complete these classes without actually being able to afford to actually fully take these classes. It sucked. And, um, and the worst with those classes were they were like, not only do you need a book, but you got to buy this online code. 
And I'm like, shit, I guess I gotta open up a credit card in order to afford to open pay for these stupid online codes. <sighs> I could feel the stripe in your yeah. voice. You're like, fuck that. This country is really weird, actually, because it's like it's this land of the free, right? And it's free, obviously. But like the American dream, it has a price tag. And, and it's like, high. and that price is debt or have privilege. So I didn't have privilege. <laughs> so I took the debt route. And I mean, that's what you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. And, but it was a struggle, man. Like having, having to like be able to like afford to like pay rent and take care of myself, keep myself fed, um, I did. I, by the way, growing up, I never had health insurance. Um, but when I grew up, I had really, really, oh. really. I had really, really bad asthma. So mm-hmm. I went my entire life without health insurance. Never went to the doctor. Never went to the dentist. But maybe on like one or two like off occasions, right? Never went to an optometrist. Never went to any of that, right? Can you see, boy? Yeah, that's good enough, right? <laughs> like you coughing. Here, take this Robitussin. You'll be straight. You got pink eye. Piss on this rag. Hold it on your eye. It'll go away in a day. That's an actual thing, by the way. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the ammonia from pee gets rid of pink eye. It's an old country thing. I learned it from my dad. Don't tell me. I don't want to tell you the story behind that. It's very traumatized. Um, like, it's just like, just, and like, brush your teeth twice a day. You'll never need to go to a dentist. I've still never had a cavity, by the way. Um, and <laughs> it's just, it's like, it's like, take care of yourself. Take care of what you have. Be, be grateful for, for the things that you do have in like, you know. So like that, like always keep and maintain what you have that and always like try and keep things perfect and like maintain some sort of like modicum of control while there's all this chaos that eventually like that's what made me like develop like OCD. It was so bad when I was a kid too. Like as far as like picking up tiny little specks of dirt, counting the flicks on the on the on the light in the hallway before I walked down it before like it felt like just right and comfortable. Like uh, it was very strange. I was really strange. Um, but, you know, I grew out of that, a lot of that stuff for the most part. And, uh, you know, I got through all that and I got, I got through college and, uh, and I made, I made my way out here and, uh, the Bitcoin space allows me to give, give not just like underprivileged people that are like me, you know, something else to, to do in life, but it's, it's, it gives People all over the world, anyone you can imagine, anyone from emerging markets, small third world countries and villages, people, people that have dreams that are bigger than their reality. Right. There there are always going to be people that want to, like, rise up and overcome. And they want to be better and they want to do things that their family couldn't do. You know, I was the first person in my family to ever go and graduate from college. Hands down first. Um, You know, I, I come from like my family and my daddy has got like six or seven, eight brothers and sisters. Same with my mom, right? None of those people really talked to me. My dad's side of my family. My mom's side of my family. Totally ostracized. I don't really have any family. And uh, so, like, it's a constant, like, fight of just, like, me, like, being completely independent and wanting to be able to give people the capability to always be completely independent, even if they have the option otherwise. Because I think that if you can empower people, like, I had to empower myself, 
then you'll have a lot more, there'll be a lot more positive things and a lot more positive change happening in the world if we can give people the tools necessary to do that. And that's sort of where my passion comes from. So like, you know, when it comes to purse, right? Giving people the ability to shop online, to liquidate like Amazon funds from those people that grind on like Mechanical Turk all day just to like save up these pennies and they work in groups just to save up like $35 in Amazon credit just so they can get $35 in Bitcoin and split it upon like eight people, right? Mm-hmm. And disempowerment. Giving people a voice on like yours to like be able to like share the things that they love or to share the things that they're creative about in hopes that people will pay them, endorse them, and like give them the capital that they need to like rise up and overcome. That's what I want to do. And uh, and, uh, and I think I'm really close. And so, like, when people in the Bitcoin space start hollering back and forth at each other about Ethereum and immutability and you're not doing it right and you're, you're messing up this project and Bitcoin blocks should be big and Bitcoin blocks should be small. And we no, just shut the fuck up. Stop <laughs> arguing with each other. Seriously, grow the fuck up. There is more important things that are here to be handled instead of your tiny little social contracts that you want to argue about. These tiny little like libertarian beliefs that you hold so true to your heart. Forget those. Remember what the bigger picture is. The bigger picture is to help people. The bigger picture is to, is to give people the means that they are not organically given by life. Okay? And if we can do that, no one is going to care that Ethereum hard fork for some bullshit-ass reason to give people some money, even if you consider it a bailout. No one is going to care that fucking Bitfinex was hacked and had all this money taken, right? Because at the end of the day, that doesn't affect the small man. That doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't affect the little people. It's, it's can these technologies change lives? Yes. Then let's just quit bickering and just make it happen. Hmm. And I think that's all I got for you right now. I, I, think that's all we need man that's <laughs> i mean to to hear your background and i don't mean background from like professional standpoint i mean to hear your story um and to see where you are and and how your relationship with our show and with us has developed over the short what three four months since we had you on the show the first time <laughs> to now hearing all this and and knowing that your experience is very vastly different from mine grew up in the suburbs and that's pretty much where i've been uh, <laughs> still here <laughs> you know just i do know the loan struggle though i know that struggle is way too real but <laughs> and and to still come through all that and be able to see the bigger, brighter picture, it just makes you like the protagonist of everyone's story, most likely. You know? It's it's pretty baller. And I'm glad that, one, you're willing to come on our show and talk about it, and you're willing to talk about it, you know, to everyone who listens. Or who I, had, I, had to tell, I, feel like I feel obligated to tell the people a story at some point, because I think when people see me on Twitter... Now, they think I have a loud mouth. People, I speak my opinions very openly. I talk about the things that I care about. Um, you know, I try and have lead educational discussions on things. I, I make a lot of jokes because in, in life, I've always found that like humor is the only way to kind of like get through strife. And it's what I found has always done that. And so that's what I continue to do. 
And I, 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 th- I think I hopefully this opens people's eyes to see that, you know, um, Bitcoin can be a whole lot greater if we just sort of work together. And like people like me are here and I need I need I need everyone to work together. And... Uh oh. Well, I think we lost him. Yeah, I just want to say though, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, he he used our show as a platform to talk, and uh, really honored to call him a friend of the show. Yeah, definitely, and um, and I hope he can get back in here. But this is this is what I like. This is what I oh, that's him. Audience, if you hear those noises, that's him saying, "Oh, my laptop died." Shit. So we're just going to have to wrap this up for you guys. But this is what I want everybody to hear. Because if you look at the Bitcoin white paper, it says right up at the top, peer to peer. That is person to person. This entire thing started because it's supposed to be a way for us to communicate better. And not just any type of communication, financial communication, a way to totally revamp our systems and how we deal with money between us a better way. And sometimes we've gotten so caught up in this bullshit, like Mackie was saying about blocks and about bips and about all these technical things that have nothing to do with just a person communicating with a person. So, you know, we got a little deep Marcello. <laughs> yeah, like I I grew up down the street from you, so um, we're suburb kids. But the only thing I can relate to Mackie is we're '90s kids. So I did watch Living Single. Shout out to Katja. Yep. Check 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 it out. I still remember the theme song to that shit. Living single. Anyways, um, and that was part two. Part two, the Mackie store. And I really love how Mackie wrapped it up. Why he's in this space. Why he does what he does. I mean, you know, he could have he could be making a good grip. A good amount of moolah. Working, you know, in software. Doing the whole Silicon Valley thing. But he chose to leave that and join up with the Bitcoin network. Bitcoin community. And he, the Ethereum. Go ahead. He's young though, so statistically, he's likely to turn to drugs and alcohol. Mm, damn. You just really dropped a hammer down on that. But he won't. I mean, statistically speaking, there's a good chance. <laughs> Where are you getting these statistics? And why would you drop the Thor hammer on that after all of the Mackie that we just heard? Well, I mean, I I wish him the best. I hope he doesn't. But statistically, God, pessimist Paul over here just <laughs> trying to have a moment. He's like, statistically speaking, he's no. still at risk. It hit me in the feels, and uh, I appreciate him coming on and sharing his story. Golly, yeah, man. Hey, thanks for coming, Mackie. Hey, and shout out, shout out to his mom, man. She, oh, yeah. has, she has housing and furniture, and she's doing really well. Yeah, the Mackie story has gotten positive since we recorded that. So if you guys, you know, were interested in at all Stephen Mackey, uh definitely check him out on Twitter and, and check him out 
where wherever he is doing whatever he is he's also very pivotal in the yours network that's coming up oh man just man we know some awesome people huh jello i think so man i think um as this podcast grows um people want to be our friends yeah it's pretty cool man and i want to be their friend too like i like having a little micro community on slack which we're going to open up one day for the public you guys listening can the women, though, are too smart, though. Like, I kind of want an, an attainable female fan. Every, every female. No, I'm not saying really that. Careful. I'm not. I, this is a compliment. Like, every woman in the space has, like, five Harvard degrees. I'm just saying, like. like oh, you feel like they can't come kick it with us because. Yeah. Like, they're just, like, so impressive. Like, I, I kind of want more, like, normal female crypto fans. You know? Yeah. Just, like, chill. Yeah, just chill. Like, you know, hey, I'm interested in Bitcoin. I don't have nine degrees. I just like crypto. I'm not intimidated by a chick's degrees. Well, that's good. <laughs> you say it as if you're intimidated by a chick's degrees. Yeah, like I met my wife when she had no degrees. Now she has a lot of degrees, so that's different. Oh, so you've been in the game and yeah. now... <laughs> So it's not that different. You could but talk to her. I could talk to her, but if I would have met her like degreed up, I would have been like, <laughs> so. "Is that how you started all your dates before you met your wife?" Like, excuse me, um, how many, how many degrees do you have? Two. Okay. Well, it was nice knowing you. I'm just letting you know that you can't be doing better than me in life because I like my woman behind me, not beside me. Know what Ooh. I'm saying? No, okay. Oh. All right. Let's. <laughs> That was a joke. That was all. You're so misogynistic. No, I'm not. I have a happy marriage and I have two daughters, so I'm completely for womanhood. Did you just pull a? I'm not racist because I have a black friend. Because I have two daughters. Yeah, I'm not misogynistic because I have two daughters. Okay. No, I'm trying to compliment women. Uh, you know, we have a female just... next episode, and she's degreed up. She's smart. You're, you're really bad at complimenting women, though. You're like. Oh, man, she was great. She baked the best pies. I didn't say that. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> oh, anyways. Um, so, we got another interview. Lisk. Oh, you want to go into that? I mean, maybe we should. Or All right. We don't... Yeah. We, we, when Corey's gone, you and I try to like not talk about Bitcoin or blockchain stuff. I mean, I we guess can't... it's because we've been palling around for since we were like eight. And there's a lot to cover. Yeah. Like, like I heard you're about to buy a Dreamcast. Oh That's yeah, I'm buying a Dreamcast on purse with uh, it's got a VMU with it. Eighty bucks, man. I didn't even do name your discount. That's just how low it was. Yeah. That's awesome. But, um, I suppose we could talk about Bitcoin a little bit. Like the thing. Bitcoin is moving kind of slowly now, and it's a good thing. And and I just read an article, and I began to read the 130-page report that the World Economic Forum released um, about blockchain and distributed ledger technologies. Um, I'm not going to read that because I don't get paid to read that. Jesus Christ, 130 pages of... That's a lot. Yeah, but, I mean, basically it outlines a world... Where they're rebuilding the internet 
and inserting blockchain in there as part of the new infrastructure. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, where Bitcoin falls in that, I, it's hard to see. Maybe it's one of those situations where they're telling everyone to go left and they're going right. And Bitcoin is going go behind the scenes without saying Bitcoin is going to be a piece of that when it gets its upgrades. Uh, when Bitcoin's a little bit faster than a 1920s Volkswagen. Huh. But uh, do you think Volkswagen even existed in the 20s? No. Nah. I don't think so either. That was what? World War II decade? Uh, Volkswagen? No, I'm talking about the 20s. The 20s was the roaring 20s. That was Ford. That was a World War II. I'm a fucking idiot. World War, World War I was in the teens. World War II was in the 40s. Yeah. God, we record these things too early in the morning sometimes. Sound like a noob. In the 30s was Great Depression. The I remember my history in decades, would you say? Industrial Revolution. Was in the 30s? Uh, it was in there. It was in there. It was, it was a sad time. Industrial Revolution was a good time. Um, for people in the industrial services. Wait, am I thinking about the Great Depression? Yeah, the Great yeah, Depression was in there. The Great Depression was in the 30s. As well. I don't know why I thought a revolution was a bad thing. Sorry. Sometimes it is. Yeah. In Iraq's case, most recently. Yeah. Ooh, too soon. If you were like a plastics warehouse... Next to the Industrial Revolution. More than good for you. Well, plastics were a good thing. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I don't know. We gotta gotta move on to Bitcoin and and blockchain stuff. So, um, yeah, I didn't see anything necessarily. Because I know this episode is going to be long. So... There wasn't anything that I really, really wanted to talk about. Except for the price is so stable in Bitcoin now compared to previously. Nah, that's why it's kind of boring. But yeah, boring's good. Boring is good. Kinda. Like We don't like too much excitement. Except for lately, all the excitement has been like, someone stole 300 million Bitcoin. It's like, you can't even have that many Bitcoin. But damn. It's crazy yeah. shit. Lisk, um, they are they're in the process of their initial coin offering, which has already raised thirty five hundred bitcoins. So that's that's pretty cool. Mm. That's A rap money right there. Taka A rap money. It's a it's from a rap song, guys. Yeah, it's from a rap song. So, um, so Max comes on and he talks to us about that a little bit. Yeah, pretty cool. Go ahead, bring him on in. Bring him in. Yeah, man, we're talking with Max Kordek. He's the founder of a new decentralized platform called Lisk. And uh, he comes on our show to kind of clean up some misunderstandings and explain briefly what Lisk is and what it isn't. Lisk will go to the moon. You only need patience. Which moon? Uh, the Mecca. The, the moon on Elysium when you're trying to leave. Mm-hmm. So then, then our moon? Yeah, and then Jodie Foster like gets butt hurt. Oh, she gets blown up, doesn't she? With a grenade? Yeah, she gets bliggity blown up. Yeah, she she does. She gets the short end of the stick. Cause she's a lesbian. I see. That was see. We, you you knew I was trying to make a lesbian joke. 
But... <laughs> so you tried. <laughs> so bad. Anyways, here it is. <laughs> That's the worst lesbian joke. <laughs> so Max, how did you get started in the crypto scene? I know you were heavily involved in the uh, in the Litecoin community, so you must have a soft spot for altcoins. Um, I got involved into the cryptocurrency scene about three and a half years ago. Um, it all started with Litecoin. Um, I'm I wasn't that involved into Litecoin. It practically all started with Next, um, but. At Litecoin, yeah, I started mining. Um, this was practically my entry into the cryptocurrency industry um, because, well, it was too late for Bitcoin mining with graphic cards, and I just chose the second best cryptocurrency at that time. It's a very similar introduction that we had, actually. Yeah, same thing. That's cool. Um, I, so I, I'm not a big fan of mining, you know. So I, I was mining Litecoins in my, in my small student apartment and it was always very hot. It was loud. And yeah, that's why I switched over to Next as soon as it came out because it was just not practical for me to mine. Um, and it was kind of lucky because I was able to sell the graphic cards for more than I bought them a few months before that. So I was in a quite good spot i think oh wow yeah, i think i had trouble selling all my graphics cards when i decided that mining was not for me <laughs> <laughs> so you actually also removed yourselves from mining again yeah i think most people who had the smaller mining operations decided that it's probably best if i leave that to the big boys it's more of frustration and, and, and uh annoyance than it is actual real profits yeah true yes <laughs> so um yeah, you've started Lisk. Can you give uh, us and our listeners somewhat of a layman's guide to Lisk? Why is it unique? Why is it here to stay? Okay, so um, Lisk is unique because it is one of those well few projects currently in the blockchain space who really or what which really wants to do something for the mainstream crowd. Okay, so you have like for example, Bitcoin, and Bitcoin allows you to send money around. But, well, my sister won't going to do that. It's too complicated. It's um, a use case she might not even need. Um, but if you're talking about Lisk, and Lisk enables you to develop blockchain applications, um, then you're talking about use cases which might be a benefit for normal people in the world, okay? Um Maybe to explain a little bit more about Lisk. Um, Lisk is just like Bitcoin, Next, and so on, a cryptocurrency, but it's also a platform, a platform for blockchain applications. That means it has all um, parts what are necessary. For example, it has a framework to develop and deploy blockchain applications. It has a blockchain application store or directory directly within the client so it's accessible by everyone um, it has its own cryptocurrency as every cryptocurrency has um, and this one can be mon can be used for monetization within the blockchain applications so there are many many different parts and um, I think that's kind of unique that there are like parts for everyone for developers the framework for mainstream users in the future at least the app directory 
and for cryptocurrency enthusiasts, the platform itself with the cryptocurrency. So I have to ask, and I have to like be upfront about this. Why is this any different than Ethereum? Um, okay, so we are taking an entirely different approach than Ethereum. Ethereum has one blockchain and has smart contracts which are being saved on this one blockchain and against the fee you can execute this uh, smart contract. So at LISC you have sidechains. Every blockchain app someone deploys to the network is running on its own blockchain. That means um, the developer has full control has full control over like blockchain parameters. For example, the block time, um, the consensus algorithm, and so on. He also has full control over the blockchain app itself, so he can decide all fees. Um, at Ethereum, for example, the fees are being um, well decided by the miners on the network, but at Lisk, the developer can choose every fee he has in, inside his blockchain app. Um, so if I would compare both of these platforms, which are quite unique in itself, um, then I would say that Ethereum is better suited for smaller types of like apps or services, um, which always have to be like ready on demand and which only solve like one small problem. Um, while Lisk is a better framework to deploy a bigger type of application, like a whole social network or a decentralized hosting service and so on. So I think this is where they're quite different in the use cases. You, you've been given presentations like all over, like, you know, Russia and, and, and China. And what has the experience been like recruiting the developers and, and why is Lisk using JavaScript primarily? Okay. So, um, I will first answer your last question. So Lisk is a fork of Crypty and Crypty used JavaScript and so is Lisk using it. Um, this is one of the reasons, but we collected that much money we could have decided otherwise at the end. But we decided to stay with JavaScript because it's one of the most popular languages in the world. And many are arguing, okay, it might be the most distributed and most popular language in the world, but it's it might not be the best suited language but i think well at the end of the day it's in the hand of the programmer to develop secure code and even with javascript you have options for example um well javascript is a weakly typed language that means the variables don't have a real type okay um but there's for example typescript which is a javascript superset which enables you to have a strongly typed language. So this, for example, would remove one of these um, critic criticism points we are receiving. Um, so that's why we are staying with JavaScript because we think it's a great language to write platform-independent blockchain applications in the future. And to be honest, JavaScript is the future if we are talking about apps. Every, everyone or many, at least, developers are moving to JavaScript to develop like independent apps for Android and iOS at the same time. Um, talking a little bit about my recent trips to China, Russia, and Ukraine, um, this wasn't really to recruit developers. It was more to, well, establish um, a broader mindset about Lisk. So we were practically at the very beginning, and we still are, and not many people really knew what Lisk is. Um, a few days ago, I published a blog post which summarizes on like eight pages what Lisk is. 
Um, but we wanted to go out into the real world, re meet real people, um, talk to blockchain enthusiasts, and really explain them face to face what Lisk is. So that's why I traveled to Shanghai, to Beijing to have presentations and to meet local Lisk community members. I traveled to Russia to have um, a presentation and I traveled to Ukraine to have a presentation. And well, the perception was really great. A lot of people after the presentations really understood what Lisk is about. And um, some didn't. So I had more talks with them afterwards and after that they understood it as well um, and I think this is quite important because people who are going to conferences um, can be seen as multipliers. You are explaining what LISC is to them and they are going to other events and explaining other people what LISC is and what it's about and if they are meeting me personally they see it's not a scam you know you can talk all day long on the internet and everyone believes okay this is a scam but if they see you face to face they see okay this is something serious he is really want to he really wants to um contribute something to the space okay so you um okay no, go ahead. yeah continue go ahead uh yeah i wanted to go into your third part of your question um about developers so we are moving to berlin soon and we decided that we want to build a local office in Berlin where every core developer and front-end developer is based in um, because we really see or we, we really saw in the past six months that being a distributed decentralized team worldwide is not that efficient. Um, and in order to build like the next revolutionary blockchain application platform, you need to be extremely efficient. Um, and that's why, yeah, we, we decided to move to Berlin and I'm moving there in one week. Oliver, my co-founder, is already living there. And then we are searching for an office as soon as possible. It wouldn't take so long. I would estimate maybe one or two weeks. Then we found one. And then we are recruiting local talents. So, yeah, that's that's the answer to the last question. Berlin's a great city. Exciting times. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, when we're talking about when you're at these conferences, are people coming up to you and like, hey, what does Lisk mean? I mean, why did you name the company Lisk? Yeah. Um, so, well, on the conferences, no one asked this question. But <laughs> to, give, to, to give an answer, well, um, we were looking at so many damn names before we launched Lisk, okay? And we didn't have much time because we wanted to bring this to the public as soon as possible because we were working behind closed doors at the beginning. And um, we have to, well, look at so many stuff, okay? Um, like trademarks, domain names, um, if it's a good name, um, if it fits with the ecosystem, and so on. And I really wanted to have a name, which is like one word, okay? We didn't want to, like put two words together and create a new name or something like that. I wanted one word, which is like a very, which sounds nice. And then I came up with the word obelisk. Um, but unfortunately, there was like, or maybe now fortunately, I don't know. And um, there was a trademark registered on that name. So we decided to, well, abbreviate it to Lisk. And that's how it all came together. So we don't have like one of those um, adventurous founding name stories. It's just like that. To me, it kind of um, sounds like a uh, one of the the new hipster programming languages that are currently out there, like Lisp. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but it definitely um, gives you like an idea of it's 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 a platform. It's not like a I don't know. It doesn't feel yeah, not, like a lot of the different cryptocurrency, maybe all coin names. Yeah. Um, well, we definitely d- didn't want to have a name like Lisk Coin, you know. <laughs> yeah. Thank um, God. I th- I think this is like 2013 or so. Um, and yeah, this year you don't name any cryptocurrency or platform like that. Um, and I, I'm pretty happy with the name because, well, if you're going to China, for example, no one, really no one can pronounce Ethereum. Even I can't do that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but everyone is screaming like, Lisk, Lisk, and it's so easy for everyone to pronounce it. So yeah, we got lucky with that name, I guess. Um, and about the question, what I'm talking to the guys or what I'm saying to the guys approaching me at conferences, it's well, kind of funny because, well, if I'm looking at the forums, no one seems to know what Lisk is. But if I'm talking to people on conferences, so many people know so much about Lisk. Okay, they they know how it started. They know where the name comes from. They know um, who I am, how big my team is, what we want to do, and so on. Okay, so we're having often like. Well, they're asking questions like, when will the delegates be forging finally? Or um, when, when is the next update coming out? And so on. So they're questioning or they're asking me very detailed questions. Okay. Um, in the, in the presentations itself, I, I'm still at the stage where I'm describing the concept of LISC. Um, I don't want to give very detailed presentations at this point because it's still very general. People still need to get or grasp um, the vision we have with this. So it doesn't make sense for me to describe, for example, how to develop a blockchain application because so much will change in the next months. So it's better to describe the vision we currently have and where it's going and maybe in half a year or so we can get to the technical stuff. That's perfect. Uh, so, if you if we want to talk mostly about vision, what type of what do you envision as types of applications being developed utilizing Lisk that can't quite be done with current technology? Wow. Okay. So, um, I think we will see so many different types of applications built on Lisk, um, and I think no one at this stage really envisions what really will be possible in the future. If we are taking a look at the Apple's App Store. Um, everyone thought, okay, hey, cool, there will be like a few games and so on, but no one estimated that like an app will be worth more than a 100 years old company, okay? And um, I think we will see the same with Lisk that at the beginning everyone will say, okay, we will see like a cool identity service, we will see decentralized hosting services, we will see a decentralized social network and so on. But at the end, we will see something entirely different, which really will revolutionize the world, but no one sees that coming at this moment, okay? Um, I just named the identity system. I think this is one part which is not really possible with today's technology. Well, if you're building it right now, it maybe would be possible if you're using blockchain, but it wouldn't be possible without blockchain, in my opinion. So um, what is so important about identity. I think it's important that everyone in the world is able to access his identity, no matter where he is, right? Um, a blockchain enables that. And also, it's quite important for me that this identity is like 
has a cryptographic access um, point so it can make sure that only you can access it and no one else can hack into the system and um, now say, okay, I'm I'm this guy, okay? So your information needs to be secured. This is also something which is possible with blockchain and with encryption. Um, so, yeah, I think identity will be one big topic in the future because if you're taking a look maybe 10 years, 15 years into the future, um, I think no one will carry around bigger devices anymore. They will simply, um, they will simply authenticate themselves on terminals or wherever. And for this, a global identity with all your information saved on a global ledger, encrypted and only accessible by you, and only you say which data should be made public and not, um, is pretty powerful and will be used in, this, in the future. So that, that brings it immediately brings to mind the question of scale. We recently talked to the <clears throat> scenario people who are creating this scenario platform, and they seem to have been trying to develop their platform solely based on the ability to scale uh, at a very, 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 at least to the standards of what Facebook is now. And they don't believe any technologies out there can do that other than them. Uh, is what they, I guess their claim to fame is. Okay. When, in that regards, what makes you think that Lisk can scale? Because I know that you talk about Lisk being a scalable platform. Yeah, so um, we're talking about Lisk being a scalable platform in the sense of application supported on the network, okay? So if you're taking a look um, at the Apple's apps, how many applications applications are there? Millions, right? Um, and, well, now as... Now, now just envision a future where one million applications are on one blockchain. Well, this is crazy and I think this won't work. Okay. So that's why we are deploying a new sidechain for every application. And this sidechain needs to be secured by a new set of delegates. Um, or if the developer implements a new type of consensus algorithm, whatever he shows to implement, then, well, the sidechain needs to be secured by that. Um, so I think this is a huge first step towards scalability because now you, you have 1 million blockchains being secured by delegates on the system who are all earning money by securing this sidechain, either by the fees occurring on that sidechain or because the blockchain app developer or its users are paying for that, okay? Like in a, I don't know, software as a service type fashion, like giving five lists every month to the blockchain app developer so he can pay for delegates, something like that. Um, and I think this is like a huge step in the, in the beginning for scaling um, and will make things much more easier in the future. Um, after that, you still have the problem what happens if one blockchain app gets so big that one blockchain is not enough anymore or that you have to implement new types of scaling like uh, new new solutions for scaling, I mean, like sharding and so on, then this can still be done. But I think for the next two or three years, we're, we're pretty much ready with the sidechain principle or mechanisms we have. So this is this puts Lisk in the, in the picture of almost a universal language for all applications, because if you build an application on Lisk, it can then talk to every other application that's also built on top of Lisk, which gives it a back, a backbone that isn't currently available for applications. Is that right? 
Yes, exactly. Um, over time, I think Lisk will evolve into some kind of a network of blockchains, which can all talk to each others. Um, and you will have blockchain applications, which only solve something, for example, which is a social network. And you will have services, which offers a real service to other blockchain apps or to users. For example, if we are connecting a blockchain app to a blockchain service, it can look like that. You have a blockchain service which allows you to host or to store images in a decentralized way. And you have the app, which is a social network and needs this feature so its users can upload an avatar, okay, um, a user image. So this blockchain app developer simply connects to this service and use it. And now he can implement a decentralized image upload server inside his blockchain app. Um, and I think this will evolve bigger and bigger over time because, well, with every new service, every other blockchain app be can become more complex and more feature-rich by implementing that service. Um, but that doesn't stop here because you can also implement services um, built on entirely different platforms. So, for example, you can implement IPFS, Storage, Sire, and so on into your blockchain app by simply like opting into their networks, okay? Um, and this is, at least in my opinion, only possible with LISC and the delegated um, proof-of-stake consensus algorithm because if you now have a sidechain being secured by delegates um, and this sidechain, for example, uses Bitcoin because um, the blockchain app uses Bitcoin in some way because it has to scan the network, whatever, okay? Um, then every delegate securing this sidechain also has to run Bitcoin in the background because the sidechain code is accessing locally the Bitcoin APIs, okay? Um, you can't do that over oracles because this is far too slow or you can't connect to a blockchain explorer because this is centralized. So every delegate would have to have Bitcoin running in the background um, so that the blockchain app can access the APIs and can really look real time into the Bitcoin blockchain or the Bitcoin network. And I think in the future, we will see many blockchain apps connecting to other third-party technologies in order to make themselves even more powerful. Well, I'm glad you brought up the future. Um, if we're going to talk about the near future, um, and, I and I really appreciate the overview that you've given us so far, is there any specific big developments that LIST is going to have that we can expect? Um, you mean what happens in the next, like, six months? Yeah, let's let's focus on I guess today uh, until Christmas. Mm, okay, so um, the first big step we will do now is to move to Berlin, open up an office, and once we are there, things will move so much faster than I think. Like one month together in one office will be the equivalent of like two or three months before in a decentralized way. Because, um, for example, in order to build something revolutionary, you have to talk about it a lot. And if you're sitting in an office, you can talk to your um, co-founder every day in the evening for an hour and just like, um, yeah, like fantasizing about the future, you know? <laughs> um, and, well, um, if we're taking a look at this next six months after we're setting up an office, we'll definitely hire more developers because this is one of the most crucial parts at this point of time. We need more developers. We have the fundings, you know, so we definitely are able to hire more developers. And this is why we're moving to Berlin. In Berlin, there are like 
There's a meetup group with over 1,000 Node.js developers. There's a meetup group with over 1,000 blockchain enthusiasts and so on. Okay, so there is the crowd in Berlin to hire. Um, another big step during the same time is to set up the legal entity as a non-profit limited in Germany. Um, this is being done in order to get access to the money we collected in the ICO until now we are running, we are still running on our private funds. Um, and we can't access the money because at the point where we get access to it in a private way, we have to tax it privately. But if the money goes directly into the nonprofit, then the nonprofit has to tax it. But because it's a nonprofit, there is no taxes. Okay. So, um, this is the other step. And I estimate that, well, the office part, my movement to Berlin and the legal entity will be done in August completely. And well, the development part is to hire developers takes time. So we maybe get, we maybe get one in August, one in September, a few in October and so on. Uh, maybe, maybe it's, it's going faster. Maybe it's going slower. It's something you can't like foresee, right? Um, and then for the, for the rest of the year, we are constantly developing the platform. We have to implement a few new features into LISC. And we have to, well, basically rewrite the sidechain SDK from scratch. We're going to use many parts of what already is there, but we want to build it in a more modular way. Um, because I think it's pretty powerful if you as a developer only have to change one variable, one number, and now your block tame is different. Um, or if you have to switch out one function and now your consensus algorithm is a different one. Um, so we want that the sidechain SDK is extremely modular. Um, and we also will do a rebranding still this year because we received so many criticisms because of our logo. Um, I mean, everyone loves the, everyone loves the font, right? But no one loves or no one seems to love, um, this crystal. Okay. This obelisk like crystal. Um, I mean, I think it did pretty well for us because everyone was looking at this crystal and thought, okay, what the fuck? And what is this really about? And then we attracted so many eyes, you know? Um, but I think in order to move forward, we need a more cleaner one and also a logo which might look a little bit more professional, um, which everyone can easily recognize and see and say, okay, this is Lisk, okay? Um, and yeah, that's pretty much for the year. Um, we'll put out many updates. We want that the networks um, become stable this year, probably within the next one or two months. Um, we want that... Um, the delegates from the community are taking over the network forging so that they can finally earn their list tokens in order or as an incentive to secure the, the blockchain. Um, and well, hopefully at the end of this year, our platform becomes ready in order to develop serious blockchain applications for the consumer space. Um, I mentioned consumer space specifically here because in my opinion, if you want to build a financial technology app or an enterprise app, you have to wait a few years before the platform becomes ready. Because if we're serious now, um, a platform which is in development for one year isn't ready for enterprise, right? Um, or isn't ready for financial technology apps as well, because you're handling real money here 
And this needs to be battle tested for several years and it needs to be really, really secure before you can really build serious applications on it. So that's why we're concentrating on the consumer space at the beginning. Um, because if you have a social network and it gets hacked, it's bad, but it isn't like world changing because there are $100 million in it or something like that. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the roadmap. Um, next week, I will sit together with Oliver in Berlin and we will formulate a short-term roadmap for the next few months um, because everyone in the community is screaming for that. So this one will be more detailed than what I just told you. Yeah, for sure. We we have to get you back on once once you've had some time to settle down in Berlin with you and your team. That sounds really exciting. Yes, it is. And I'm really looking forward to that time because, well, it's really frustrating if you're sitting in the office here in Aachen with 10 square meters and alone all day long until midnight and you really want to push forward, you know, and you have no chance to because you can't talk to your um to your co-workers because everyone is sitting in another place everyone is is sitting in another time zone and it's not really coordinated okay and once we are sitting in the same room I, I i really i already see it in my head okay we are all sitting there at the desk we're discussing ideas and some guys are developing in the background and it's yeah it will be freaking awesome yeah you're, you're kind of describing our situation <laughs> so we <laughs> I mean, we have this this dream that we're all going to be in one office. So, hopefully, we follow in your footsteps here pretty soon. Um, I got one yeah, last question for line. you, Max. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah thanks. Um, can you, ex if if we're going to take this whole entire interview and we condense it into one bite sized piece, can you explain Lisk in ten words or less? Ten words. Oh. <laughs> um, give me a few seconds. Sure. <laughs> this tends to be the most difficult question for most. Yeah, it is. It really is. Ten words is really few. I mean, um, describe your life's work in a couple couple words. <laughs> okay, so Lisk will finally make the world more decentralized. All right. This Got is what there. Lisk is about. We really want that this world becomes more decentralized, you know? We don't want like billion, billion, so companies worth billions, uh, like saying what we have to do. We want that every developer is able to build applications which are trustless, which are decentralized, which can't be shut down, and which are making the world more free. And we really, would hope that we would uh, we really hope that we will succeed in that but i'm pretty optimistic well thanks max we appreciate you coming on the show and, and, and sharing this vision with us we're excited to see how things progress and we'll have to get you back on the show once y'all get settled in berlin and and uh hire a few folks and and have some have some really cool developments sure anytime Absolutely. thanks for having me great awesome see right. you guys see you soon and that was the interview with Lisk.io. New crowdfunding, releasing coins, coming out now-ish, right? Isn't it happening right now? Yeah, man. Crowdfunding is happening right now for Lisk. Uh, it's the altcoin, a new network. Um, altcoin, the altcoin scene is flourishing right now. Like, Ethereum was the Barack Obama of the altcoin scene. And now 
all these other altcoins are growing up thinking, I can be Ethereum. I can do that. I think people just want to make money. I mean, in my honest opinion, it's it's better seen as a as a means to an end. But the end here is like enhanced human con- communication and commerce. And I think instead of people being part of an empire, they want to create an empire. And that's where altcoins kind of come in. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I think you're right there. Everybody has Kanye West egos, and they want to do their own thing. Yeah. Like pants. You can go out and you can find a really good pair of pants, but sometimes you want to create your own clothing line and make your own pants. So you make leather jogging pants. Yeah, there's some missteps, some misfires. Why pants? Is that something that you'd like to do? No. Interesting. If you had to create something, what would you create? I would create... Besides the show, because obviously we do that. Um, I would like to create um, wallets. Oh, yeah. Didn't you want to do the leather wallets, leather imprinting? Yeah, and then I had another kid. Mm. That hobby mm. got delayed. <laughs> Here's a lesson for you guys. Kids steal your dreams. <laughs> yeah, everything that I want to do immediately went from age thirty to I'll I'll do it in my late forties. <laughs> Kids steal your dreams so delicately. You love it for some reason. Uh, yeah. Yeah, kids are great. Uh, moving on. So, is there anything else that we need to talk about before we wrap this up? Sorry, well, long. No, I think we're good, man. Uh, we'll be back at you with our normal format, and we'll be talking with Mariana Dehan from the World Bank. Good stuff okay. coming up. So, purse.io. It's a site. I use it. I actually told you guys to delete your purse accounts and make a new one, and I just did that because I was called out a few episodes ago because I ordered something on purse with my old account. So I deleted my old one, made a new one, and it's our affiliation program. If you go to the website and you look on the sidebar, you'll see a picture, a picture of some cameras that says, say, 15% or maybe 20%. It's a lot. Name your discount. If you click on that and then sign up with Purse, you're part of our affiliation program. Nothing changes for you. You get some cool stuff after you spend a certain amount, but... We get a little kickback from your shopping experience. So you shop and you do what you do, and we get a little bit. And when I say a little bit, I mean like office space a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little tiny bit. Um, But it does, eventually, what we're hoping is this will snowball. The more people listen, the more people you tell about this opportunity with Purse to get the huge discounts. And trust me, the discounts are real. For everything on Amazon, you're going to find less for less on Purse. And so. That snowballs, and maybe that will be able to help us build our dreams with this show. So, build our uh, dreams. We're gonna build our dreams because Marcello's kids stole them. And then, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so what else do we do? Is this purse? No, if we do purse, go to purse.io, shop using our link. We shoot it out every once in a while. Um, 
the at the BTC podcast on Twitter. That's our Twitter. We tweet there. Um, TheBitcoinPodcast.com. That's our website. We website there. Cointelegraph.com. Fuck yes. Our partners in Samaritanism are there rocking it with us, making cool stuff. Go stop by Cointelegraph.com. You get your news there, entertainment there. Um, it's just a great, uh, I couldn't be more happy about this partnership because Cointelegraph, I think, presents news the way I want to read it. So, yeah. yeah. Nevertheless, uh, did I miss? God damn it. Every week I say that. Yeah. Nevertheless, mer. Anyways, uh, what, what else? Did I miss anything? Uh, shout out to Zoe Saldana. Shout out to Zoe Saldana. Stay beautiful, baby. I'm, we're coming. I'm coming specifically for you to hang out with you. Did and you like her in Out of the Furnace? Because she was looking kind of trailery in that movie. Uh, I'm okay with it. All right. All right. Um, ever since um, Drumline, which was a long time ago, and Whoa. that is a Nick Cannon movie. As a Nick Cannon movie, yeah. That's ever since Pete Pablo was on the soundtrack, because Pete Pablo was hot back then. Oh yeah, Pete Pablo. Um, and then she was in this other movie where she was a dancer, because she is a dancer. A little known fact: Zoe Saldana is a dancer. She can dance. And so, uh, what was that like, Honey? No, not Honey. It's like called Dance It Up, or some shit like that. Dance it up, dance it left, dance it right, dance it down. Anyways, shout out to Zoe Sal- Zoe Saldana, and uh, yeah, um, well, play the outro. Gosh, she's so hot. Drumline. Mm. I didn't know she was in Drumline. Yeah, but you see it. You see it now. You should uh, plug purse. We haven't plugged purse in a while. Yeah, that's true. We have 12 people signed up now, by the yeah, way. That's pretty but good. nobody's buying anything. I mean, at least it's, you know, when they're ready. Yeah. All right.
I'm five minutes in the. I like being home, man, to help out. Not home to live. So it's a unique difference there. That's why I live close to my mom's. So you can help out. Yeah. But your mom's help is like, Marcello, I don't know how to use the internet. And you're like, I feel like I've been telling you this for years. Exactly. If I didn't if I couldn't help out, she wouldn't like know how to live. Oof. Like she said, she says she's a big fan of the Olympics, but she doesn't know how to watch the Olympics. And I've been telling her for a week now, just go open up Hulu and watch the Olympics. And yesterday she was like, oh, man, I'm missing all the Olympic action. I was like, did you go to Hulu and and look at the Olympics? And she was like, no, I forgot. Or they also make these things called televisions. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole nother ballgame. Really? Televisions? Well, yeah, because the input on the TV, you have to switch the input from HDMI to cable. She doesn't know how to do that. So, pushing the button that says input? Yep, she doesn't know how to do that. Wow, deep, man. It's real in these streets. (laughs) I would love to say it's because of the language barrier, however... Your mom's been here for a really long time. She's been here longer than she's been in Germany. All right. We're going to get into the second half of the show. That's just that generation, man. You know what yeah. I mean? That's why on-ramping with these is going to be so fun. Because you're going to get resistance. Not, not resistance from doing it, but resistance because they don't understand, like, password securities and logging in and... Yeah. Uh, downloading an app to your phone and like that, you know, fun times. No, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what to do for an intro, though. Once I got the intro, I'm pretty much good to go and start recording in my hotel room. But that intro was doo-doo. I mean, that's the, you know, intros are the fun part. I'll figure something out. I'll spend some time on Fiverr today. A shout. In 10. Sorry, in 10. I gotta have certain wave signature. Makes editing 